Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. As I was saying last week, I've been involved with photography for 35 years now. What I mean involved, I mean involved with professional photography, commissioned photography and so forth within, within that context. And over that time, I've read and I've listened to photographers talking about the importance of what they do, of what we do, of the importance of storytelling, of the importance of sharing stories, of listening, the responsibility that we all take on board to be a conduit for other people's stories. The incredible people we meet and the incredible places we are, we're able to go to thanks to our camera. Photographers talking about the key, uh, for the camera being a key, I should say, and the photography being a passport to other worlds which ordinarily we wouldn't get a chance to go to if it wasn't for photography and it wasn't for the camera so as part of all of that we should be really good listeners we should be open to other viewpoints and uh, other people's opinions and yet it still really surprises me how angry some photographers seem to get and seem to be, and just how didactic they are. Over the last couple of weeks, a couple of um, events, a couple of comments have been made that really, to me, kind of brings this into sharp focus, and I think it's worth reflecting upon. So a couple of weeks ago, Daniel Meadows spoke about his rules for photography. He was strident and he was passionate and he believed in what he said. And what he said was based on years and years of experience and an incredibly strong body of work. Now, I really liked his rules and a lot of you listening did also. And you got back to me and you commented. But for some reason, a couple of photographers took umbrage at this and said that, no, these rules were wrong and that they shouldn't be promoted. No, they're not wrong. They're just somebody else's opinion. And within photography, surely the whole uh, essence of what we do is about being able to listen to other people's opinions. We don't have to agree with them, and we shouldn't agree with them, as I regularly say on this podcast. I'm sure much of what I say, a lot of you completely disagree with. I hope you find that interesting. I'm sure you do, otherwise you wouldn't keep listening to the podcast. But I don't mind if you don't agree with me, and I'm ready for a good discussion. What I'm not ready for is to be attacked for those opinions. And I don't feel that uh, Daniel should either. Opinions may differ, but they are not right or wrong. They are yours. And we must all take ownership of our opinions and allow others to have theirs, even if you disagree with them. For some reason, photography seems to be broken down into tribal factions scarf-wearing teams who fight for their side and take this stance that if you're not in their team, then therefore you're wrong. And surely photography shouldn't be anything to do with that. As I said before, photography is about listening. And if any of you have been following the Republican conference in America over the last week, you will know that it's about shouting at people. The Democratic one was far more about talking. I'm not sure how many of those getting angry 
within photography with me or with Daniel or with other people whose opinions they don't like would like to be associated with the current Republican regime shouting at people and telling them that they are wrong. Something else I've noticed over the last week, actually, um, primarily because I received an email about one of these initiatives, was about companies which are set up to do one thing. And uh, for some reason, they've presumably financial difficulties. They've suggested that people who buy things from them, who are on their database, might like to buy shares in that company. There's a London-based print, photographic print company, who are currently doing this. And uh, also a UK-based photographic magazine are encouraging you to buy shares in their company. Well, that's okay. You know, it's absolutely fine. But then there seems to be add-ons. It seems to be a strange decision that these same companies then are deciding that they're photographic agents and they're going to get work for you and they're going to get you commissions. But what knowledge do they have of the industry from a commission perspective? It raises the whole point of photographic agents. And over the years, I've probably spoken to photographers about agents more than anything else. And I think that this is the first time after all of these episodes I've even raised the subject on this podcast, probably because I was so completely and utterly fed up with talking about them. But let's get it clear. What is a photographic agent and what do they do? Well, basically, the idea, I suppose, is that they will get you work. But the reality is actually quite different from that. Photographic agents will not, on the whole, take you on board unless you are already a successful photographer, that you have your own clients, your own client database, and you can prove that you're bringing money in. What the agent will then do is take on your practice and your clients, and they will take a percentage of all money you receive from your new clients and from your old clients. In return, they will control your shoots, they will deal with all the admin, they will set things up for you, and so on and so forth. That's how the majority of agents work. If you choose to leave that agent, then they control the clients. They will keep those clients, both the clients you took to them and the clients they got for you. The way in which they will get those clients is by having lunch with clients having relationships with them, in hopefully in a, in a good sense and not an inappropriate sense, however. Um, anyway, so they will have a relationship with those people. They will be going out, they'll be making friends with them, they'll be going to drinks, they'll be showing them your work, of course, and they will get, be getting to a point at which that person who is commissioning, uh, they'll give them a call because they'll have a friendship, they'll have a relationship, and also, of course, they will look to them to solve their problem with a photographer that the agent represents. The sole purpose of an agent is not just to get you work or to just put your work onto a website and expect that work will come from that. It won't. It takes an awful lot of hard work. 
your portfolio is going to be sent out to client after client after client, and you're going to have to pay for that to happen before you get lucky. Of course, I'm using a broad brush here, and there are exceptions, as always, that prove the, proves the rule. However, what I'm talking about here is my experience, as I say, of over 35 years of working with agents. So it's important to understand how that works. So it brings into even sharper focus for me the sort of ludicrous nature of companies that are set up to produce a magazine or set up to print your photographs suddenly deciding that they're going to be agents. As I said, it takes more than images on a website to get commissioned. I often talk on the podcast about the importance of being multi-skilled, multi-talented and moving from one area to another. I suppose in a COVID age, many of you have, uh, have recognised the importance of those transferable skills that we have as photographers. Well, this week's contributor to What Does Photography Mean to You is a perfect example of a multitasker creating great work in multiple areas. Who is that? Well, it's Melissa Breyer. After a classical art training, a master's degree in museum studies, and having worked in print, writing for magazines and editing books, uh, Melissa tumbled into photography. She says, I literally bought a photography for dummies book and a grown-up camera and I went to work. A native Californian now living in New York, she documents the city streets and Brer's work has been exhibited across the globe and has been featured in national and international publications, including National Geographic and the New York Times. With a background in food, health, nature and design, Brer is an expert and author who has been writing about sustainability since 2001 and is the co-author of the best-selling Build Your Running Body. I bet a lot of you listening to this will be running now when you weren't before. And the award-winning True Food, Eight Simple Steps to a Healthier You. Again, particularly COVID-relevant. She's written for the Tree Hugger website since 2012 and has been Tree Hugger's editorial director since 2015. In addition, she's developed hundreds of recipes for publication, has run 10 marathon and moonlights as a pastry chef. Her work also, I have to say, is stunning. So in the taxonomy of my life and the possessions I've had, my first camera falls into particular group of things that I was given during my early school years and there was a bike and a wristwatch and a pair of binoculars and all of these things which just kind of swept me with their power and they were kind of like junior versions of adult tools which I'm pretty sure was why I found them so mesmerizing but among the family of gifts the Instamatic camera was the most magical so at the time photography was a way for me to make objects out of the ephemeral. I, I was fascinated by the ability to capture a fleeting moment and then end up with a photo that I could just kind of hold in my hand. And uh, my interest in drawing and painting had already taken root and there was a certain simpatico between photography and drawing and painting and that there were all ways to turn the fleeting three-dimensional world into something I could put in file folders. By the time I got to high school, I was still taking a lot of photos, but I didn't yet understand photography's profound creative potential. So I was spending any extra time making paintings and eventually decided to go to college for studio art and become a painter. 
in photography assumed a kind of more pedestrian role of just documenting memories, like, like many of us use photography. And that was great. And then I graduated from college and started selling my work and realized that I hated being a professional fine artist and decided to try graduate school for museum studies so I could write about art rather than making it. And it was hard, a hard breakup because I'd spent most of my life up to that point thinking that I was going to be an artist. So to ease the transition, I decided that if I was going to be a writer, I would at least get a grown-up camera as a way to continue making images. So at that time, as a young adult, and photography was uh, kind of a hearkening back to that original wonder of making a visual object, but with a more sophisticated understanding of my creative practice. And I've been painting portraits of imaginary people for years, and now I could go out into the world and find real people and make pictures of them. And I was basically doing street photography, although I didn't know it then. I could do this without time and isolation demanded by painting, and it was something I could do while being a writer. The more I did it, the more it became so much more than just kind of fulfilling this need to make images and kind of became the antidote to my ennui and also a way to explore and express parts of my personality that don't get much airtime. Like I've always been this really happy person who revels in sad Victorian novels. It's like a complete contradiction. Um, And I'm very grounded and joyful in my life, and there's never been much room or opportunity to give voice to this kind of side of me that has nostalgia and melancholy. So in that regard, photography is like this impossible mirror for contemplating my internal ecosystem, if you will. It's like my photos are not like bright and happy. Um, I seek out scenes that are beautiful and rich, but they're not afraid of the dark. Um, and there's reverie and quiet moments which feature prominently and they speak to that relationship with my melancholy but it's not really an emotion of misery but rather kind of a reflection of things longed for Um, so it's this kind of strange marriage of a very happy person who appreciates kind of the aesthetic of, of longing and I guess that photography is a medium of expression is obviously not that um, surprising. (laughs) But um, what has been surprising for me is how it's become an intrinsic part of my dynamic with the world at large. It's really inspired me to walk literally thousands of miles in New York City, taking photos through every borough, every hour of the day, every kind of weather. And because of that, I've just become entwined with the city in ways I would never have imagined. And um, it's so wild to be out there and the senses are thrown wide open and even the grittiest parts of the city kind of take on this this magic. And I feel like I know the city's pulse, I know its flavors, I know its people, scenes, sounds, streets, scents. And I kind of often had wished I were a naturalist observing the natural world, but instead I've become kind of an urban urban scientist in a way with a camera and in the process I've developed this relationship with my environment that would have been really unlikely for me otherwise. So I don't know, what does photography mean to me? It's a tool to make images and it's a mirror to reflect my inner workings and importantly it's a genie that lures me into the streets where I become another cell of the organism that a city is and when the day is done I have my moody photos of strangers and just kind of souvenirs of my walks and my life and I can put them in a file folder. Thank you, Melissa, for your contribution this week. 
Um, memory is such a big thing, isn't it, for photographers? And it's also interesting how often the idea of the family album uh, creeps up when uh, photographers are talking about that initial interaction with the medium. I've been writing a lot about memory over the last um, couple of weeks or so, as I finally um, find time to to finish off my uh, PhD by publication, which is something I've been working on and off on over the last year whilst trying to fit in everything else on that multitasking kind of requirement that life has of us. But the photo album, uh, you know, it is that thing, isn't it, which that personal historical document that we look at with wonder as a child and something seems to get lodged within us, um, with some of us, and we then feel, yes, this is the medium that uh, we can actually use to make our own histories and to make our own memories. So thank you, Melissa, there for a very insightful uh, contribution. They really are adding up, aren't they? these contributions each week and uh, I hope that uh, they're giving you some support. I'm receiving a few emails at the moment from people who are finding it particularly tough to uh, stay with photography. A couple of people have said to me that um, they just feel like walking away from it and these are people who, with, who are highly successful with great bodies of work behind them. And I've been suggesting that they listen to these podcasts, not because you want to hear me, but because the contributors, I think, give little insights and sometimes big insights into just what it takes and kind of little coping mechanisms that can be used if we see our engagement with photography in the bigger picture over a lifetime of change. Because there's absolutely no doubt that our engagement with the medium changes as we change. Anyway, also, Melissa, they're stressing the importance of just being open and hearing stories. So uh, ties in quite nicely, I think, to uh, what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast. Anyway, uh, podcast has come to an end. We've got to the end of our 20 minutes. I do try to keep it around 20 minutes. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there now for photography that go way over the hour and just from a personal perspective I just don't have that spare time so I hope the 20 minutes is still working for you I think it works for me um, if you do enjoy the podcast then do please leave us a review wherever you listen to it from do get in contact with us at UN of photo don't forget that there's lots of articles that pick up on the uh, subjects we discuss on the podcast they're all on uh, united nations of photography.com it just leaves me uh, this week to uh, end in the usual way take care